everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Media Boat Podcast. Today is May the 26th, 2021. This is episode 281 of the Media Boat Podcast, and if you don't know what that is, let me tell you. We are a podcast about media, hence the name, and we bring you news and thoughts about the newest movies, television shows, video games, and music, not necessarily in that order. My name is Matt. With me is Mike. I'm Mike. He's Matt. And today's a special day. Yeah. Do you know why it's special? Why is it special? Tell me. Because today, or rather tonight, is the Super Flower Blood Moon. Super Flower Blood Moon. Yes. Name of our new rock band. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes. uh, So, yeah, if you want to check out the moon tonight, Depending on where you live, it could look very cool. So good luck with that. In the meantime, we're going to do our own cool biz here and do our podcast. We always start the podcast by talking about movies. And we always start movies with the box office numbers. Yep. Um, I do expect high box office numbers this upcoming weekend as it is Memorial Day weekend. Yes, Memorial Day weekend, traditionally the beginning of the summer movie season. Even in a weird pandemic year like this, we'll probably see some sort of uptick there. But in the meantime, slightly slower week, uh, moving into Memorial Week here. Number one, Spiral, the Saw spinoff, with another $4.6 million. That's sitting at $15.8 million domestic right now. Coming in at number two, Wrath of Man, your dad's favorite movie, $2.9 million, adding to its $18.8 million total. Number three, Those Who Wish Me Dead made another $1.9 million. That's sitting at six point, or sorry, 5.6. Number four, moving up a notch this week, Raya and the Last Dragon with another $1.6 million. That's at 483 and then rounding out your top five, back in the top five this week, Godzilla versus Kong with another $1.4 million. That's so close. It's $96.8 million domestic, crawling slowly to that $100 million mark. We'll see if it gets there. But do notice that Dragon Slayer Mugen Train is not in the top five. No, drop, dropped off uh, thanks to um, just strong support, I guess, from the other movies. So. It dropped to number six, though, but oh, okay. we'll hasn't see. quite crossed the Raya mark yet. So <laughs> it might still can. Yeah, it still can. <laughs> it's our Mugen Train Watch 2021. Yes. All right. And as you mentioned, next week being Memorial Day weekend. We have a couple of big hitters uh, being released, both of which um, are theatrically released. Though one, um, did they actually pull? I forget. I forget what ended up happening to the first of which, which is Disney's Cruella. Is that still a Disney Premier Access title? Yes, it is. Okay. So they didn't go all the way at theater here, but if you want to see Cruella, of course, that's Emma Stone as the titular dog napper um but younger and for you know a origin story of some sort um that's in theaters and on premiere access so if you want to pony up the 30 dollars, if you have a disney plus subscription already you can do that and watch in the comfort of your home i just might do that you just might 
do that. Because Wifey is very interested in Cruella, mainly right. because Emma Stone and fashion. Yes, and fashion. Then, if that doesn't sound appealing to you, the other big release this week is A Quiet Place Part 2. That is the second in the Quiet Place franchise. That's John Krasinski not being able to talk. You know the deal. Um, yeah. So, technically, depending on where you are, this could be considered a re-release. Right. As it did hit officially hit theaters last year for like a couple days before <laughs> all theaters shut down. Right. So chances so, are you didn't get to see it, yes. and now you will. Um, so yeah, uh, I've heard really negative buzz early on about that one, so I guess we'll have to see where that goes. But... So yeah, um, I enjoyed the first one, but I also liked that it was a very self-centered, not self-centered, but it's... self-contained story. Right. So a sequel to that? Do we need it? Uh, yeah, not sure. No, not sure. Jury's out on that one. We'll uh, have to figure it out when the movie comes out. In the meantime, there's movie news to talk about. Um, also, this is first one's going to be technically cleanup, but <laughs> yes. It's official. It's official. We talked about it last week, but the biggest news in movies this week is that Amazon finally bought MGM for $8.45 million or billion dollars. We talked about the bid last week, not quite being confirmed, but now this is the case. Amazon founder, chairman, and current CEO Jeff Bezos said that the e-commerce giant's $8.45 billion bid for MGM was driven by a desire to obtain the storied studio's intellectual property and create new offshoots based on that. Quote, we are looking forward to reimagining and redeveloping the deep catalog of MGM, says Bezos, speaking at Amazon's annual shareholders meeting. Quote, the acquisition's thesis here is really very simple. MGM has a vast, deep catalog of much-loved intellectual property, like we talked about last week. With the talented people at MGM and Amazon Studios, we can reimagine and develop that IP for the 21st century. People who love stories are going to be the big beneficiaries. End quote. One of MGM's crown jewels, of course, is the James Bond movie franchise, on Wednesday, producers of the James Bond series, Barbara Broccoli and Michael G. Wilson, said they are committed to keeping the iconic British spy in theaters, even with Amazon's takeover of MGM. Meanwhile, the Bond producers, who retain an unusual amount of control over the franchise, also have resisted having the character appear in spin-offs or TV shows. So important to note that going into this uh, purchase. Bezos, by the way, in case you've been under a rock for a few months, is set to step down as Amazon CEO on July 5th and will be succeeded by Andy Jassy, currently the CEO of Amazon Web Services. So uh, I don't see that changing their approach with MGM that much. They said it very clearly. This, is, this was a purchase for the IP. Um, sure, there's going to be IP like Bond that they don't have as much flexibility with as others, but the ones that they do, they are going to take advantage of that. So I would see a lot of Amazon Prime spinoffs, a lot of remakes, a lot of, hey, what about this franchise people thought forgot about for decades? 
a lot of that moving and shaking happen on happening. So uh, yeah, what a what a move. So this is gonna, and as I mentioned last week, also will potentially affect award season. Amazon now having a movie studio under their umbrella will get them in gear to compete. Yeah, um, as the article mentions, the Broccoli family have a really tight hold on that Bond franchise. That was article leading up to the securing of this deal was one of the main things people talked about, which was that because they control where Bond releases and when Bond releases, would Amazon be okay with that? Mm -hmm. They had to be. They had to be. Is the answer. In order to get everything else, they had to be okay with whatever the Broccoli's wanted. Mm -hmm. Including replacing, including that they get to choose who the next James Bond is, what that story is, and when it gets, when and where it gets released. They're also in control of that Bond franchise to not appear in TV or subsequent ad space. I'm putting culture on that because there, yes, there have been ads where James where Daniel Craig has portrayed James Bond, even though they don't technically outright say it in the commercials. Right. Because they're very particular about that. It's not going to really affect much. I mean... Oh, you say that now. No, no, no. I mean about Bond specifically. Yes, the whole deal is very is going to be a sea change. But the uh, the Bond specifically stuff, I think Amazon is willing to take that. They've been very careful about that franchise, and there's no reason Amazon would question their authority there. Um, so yeah, that was expected. But man, yeah, uh, something like this happens at least once a year lately, and this is another one. Um Consolidation, yeah, sucks, um, especially Amazon doing it. So yeah, there's a lot of trepidation going into this, but um, MGM was going to be bought by somebody and streaming uh, streaming companies made sense. So mm-hmm. this was inevitable. All right. Yeah, uh, it's also the second purchase merger in two weeks. As we had the yes. Warner Media and Discovery. And Discovery. last week so yeah a lot of moving and shaking happening as we go towards as we go towards the middle of the year here in about a month so yeah yeah, believe it or not almost halfway done yeah it feels like uh when disney made the purchase for fox just all of a sudden everyone became available for sale it's like oh this is a thing yeah oh we could do that okay (laughs) all right well i mentioned a the uh, award season in the last story and award season is what our second story is about. We have yet another update to the way the Academy Awards do their business. The Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences is tightening new membership numbers by roughly half of the large class annually admitted in recent years. An initiative originally begun in 2016 when the previous year's number of new members was doubled. This was largely in order to correct the imbalance of the organization's then-reported majority of white male members, making it much more diverse and more international in scope. Remember (laughs) when, in 2016, when we actually reported on this? Yeah. Yeah. Turns out. You can also go back in time and listen to that episode. (laughs) But not now. Not now. Wait until we're done with this one. 
<coughs> Pardon. The goal is for the AMPAS to have the necessary infrastructure, staff, resources, and environment to support all members while honoring continued goals like the previously announced Aperture 2025 and focus on diversity and inclusion on a more manageable basis. The Academy now believes that effort is part of a fabric and organic growth in all aspects of what they do. Quote, as we look to the future growth and goals of the Academy, we need to scale appropriately so we can continue to give the personal service our members have to come to expect and appreciate. That was Academy CEO Don Hudson. We remain focused on cultivating a membership body that reflects our diverse film community and the world around us. So this isn't necessarily them going back on their word. They say that it's more just like, hey, we realized we got out of hand and we need to make sure that we there's that small enough number that we can take care of everybody in the way that they want to. And in two years in a row now of not a whole lot for the Academy to do, um, it makes sense to do it now, to kind of own that. So that way, by the time we have the next big movie season, probably next year, they'll be ready. Yeah, don't forget the Academy Awards is clearly coming off of the Oscars, which was a month ago, and the whole Chadwick Boseman didn't win scenario. Right. I mean, you can't really win another one or one anymore. Mm-mm. But at the same time, it was a bad look. It was a bad it. look. Yes. So any sort of PR that they can get out in front of people and saying, "Hey, we're working on some stuff," is probably a good move right now, even though it might not actually affect anything. Right, and this is just Academy working stuff in the background during the off season, in preparation for the new season, in which yes. we have summer movie season right around the corner. Yes. Because everybody knows that's when the real Oscar contenders come out, right? Oh, huh? yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Yes. Right? Yep. No? Okay. Let's move on. You watched a movie this week. I watched Oscar Contender. <laughs> yeah, right. I what mean, did you really watch? I watched potential Oscar nominee Army of the Dead What in by Zack Os- Snyder. What in um, special effects? Special effects and makeup. <laughs> yeah. Okay, got it. <laughs> so, our friend... Uh, media bow favorite favorite snack zider yes <laughs> has another movie out yes so Zack snyder at heart is still the teenage kid who loves movies more or less more or less i mean you could say the same thing about quentin tarantino you say the same thing a lot of about a lot of directors yeah they have a certain style that they try to pull out through their movies. They have a certain storytelling structure that they put into their films. Army of the Dead is no exception for Zack Snyder. It is a very teenager-like film with lots of blood, lots of action, lots of zombies, lots of chaos, and ultimately lots of nonsense. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. Um, so, this is not uh, the first time Zack Snyder has directed a zombie film. He did the reimagining of Dawn of the Dead, which led to the shoot offshoot com- comedic farce of 
Shaun of the Dead mm-hmm. by Edgar Wright. The far superior film, one could argue. Eh, different kind of thing, but sure. Yeah. So he's returning back to his roots is basically what this film is. Back to his love of film because this is his first film outside of the DCEU. The first film in which he's a writer, producer, director, cinematographer on, and basically the first in a long time, a film where people didn't say no to him, and it shows. <laughs> um, they He put out a vision of the film, and they said, yes, we will try and get that done. Does it work? Depends on your flavor. Um, this is, <laughs> I mean... I think without saying it, just saying that it's a Zack Snyder film and That's it's called Army of the Dead. Yeah. Or right off the bat, it's going to be your mileage may vary. Right. No matter what. No matter where you go. Either you, if you like Zack Snyder or you don't like Zack Snyder, if you like zombies, don't like zombies, it's your mileage may vary just right off the bat. That's no brainer given. Right. The point is, is it one of those films that's kind of worth your time though? to watch and that's the tricky part of this because i can't tell (laughs) i did have fun watching it i was like oh that's pretty cool very Zack snyder-esque very returning to his roots but at the end of the film did it really matter and that's the question you struggle with does any of this even really matter yeah but is there anything redeemable here? Is it like, do you think compared to other similar kind of schlocky horror movies, does it work on that level? Doesn't work on a horror level, but definitely works on an action level. Okay. The action sequences are fun. The action sequences are a blast to watch. That's where a lot of the budget goes into. And it shows. Mm-hmm. Money's on the screen there. It's all the in-between and character development. Halfway through the film, you forget, like, I forgot what character's motivation, (laughs) and then they showed up, I was like, oh yeah, that's right, that's what they were supposed to do. (laughs) Yeah. And that's pretty bad. Yeah, not a great sign. Not a good sign. But Zack Snyder, to an extent, probably knows that nobody's really paying attention to those details, except for critics. Um, So the average person gonna tune into this on his name alone, probably not gonna care. No, not a whole lot. Um... But that being said, this is a fun summer film to kick off the summer movie season. Uh, Had I seen this in the theaters? Okay, well, one, it's Netflix. So. Right. You don't have to. You don't have to. But if this was a theater and like the first one that came out for the summer, yeah, it's a fun like action film to start summer movie season. Okay. So pre-game with this one before you go to see something in a theater. Um, you know, if you're taking the precautions, if you're vaccinated, etc. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, like I said, straight off the bat, mileage may vary. Mm-hmm. But action sequences are probably worth your time. Um, okay. It does do some interesting stuff with zombies. Okay. You know, like zombie superhero power-esque. Because that's the kind of genre we're all in right now, the superhero <laughs> genres. Right. So, okay. 
it's good but but you have to know what you're doing people yeah right okay fair enough you watch anything else nope but on that note, Netflix is back on, so I'll be watching a lot more stuff. <laughs> Good to know. Netflix, back on. Yep. In the meantime, that means we get to move on to television, and that means we get to talk about the sports corner. Do, 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 do. Another week in sports, another week of stuff happening all over the place. First up in golf, Phil Mickelson wins the PGA Championship and becomes the fourth golfer in PGA Tour history to win in four different decades. No player in the NBA, NFL, NHL, or MLB has ever done that. He is also the oldest player to win a championship at age 50. Yes, uh, Phil won his first championship in 1992, 93. Okay. So he's been around. So that's it's been a while. Nineties, aughts, teens, and, <laughs> and now the twenties. Yeah, just or, keeps going. In fact, he's going so much lately that he's not done even this year, because he'll also be appearing in this year's edition of the match. If you've been listening to our podcast for the last couple of years, you may remember what The Match is. It's like a celebrity charity thing where you have some uh, players from other uh, wor- other parts of the world of sports uh, compete against uh, golf pros, more or less, right? Yeah, it's uh, celebrity, um, celebrity golfers, right. usually sports figures, with actual golfers. Yeah. And they do it for charity, pay-per-view event, TNT. Yeah, it'll happen. All in donations. Right. So it'll happen again this year, this time on July 6th, with the aforementioned Phil Nicholson. Also, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Bryson DeChambeau. So tune into that if that sounds like a good time to you. Oh, it definitely does sound like a good time to me. (laughs) You watch every year. Yes. Then, lastly, speaking of football players... Media boat favorite Adam Vinatieri finally hung it up. He's announced his retirement as the all-time scoring leader in the NFL with a whopping 2,673 earned points. Congratulations. To put that into perspective, um, only one player in the history of the NFL has scored 200 touchdowns. Yeah. A touchdown is six points. Right. So that's only 1,400 points, right? Uh, Math. Math. Did you say seven hundred or two hundred? Two hundred. Yeah. Two times six. Oh, six. I was going off the extra point. Sorry. Yes. Yes, you're right. <laughs> yes. Two times six is twelve. Twelve hundred. <laughs> so at most, uh, I think it's Jerry Rice has minimum twelve hundred points. Adam Vinatieri. <laughs> 2,673 well, points. To be fair, a kicker has probably statistically more opportunities to score. Yes, but also statistically, every time they score, it's either extra point, which yeah. is one, right, or, or field three. goal, which is three. Significantly so, lower than six points of a touchdown. So the most important factor here is not just that he's a kicker, but also that he played for a very, very long time. We often called him here on the podcast, Old Man Vinatieri, for a reason. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, Good to know that he is now passing the torch on to somebody else to be the oldest player in the league. 
Yes, as we noted, um, I think currently that would fall on the old man shoulders of Tom Brady. Because right. yes. when we talked about Tom Brady winning, we noted that he was not the <laughs> oldest man in the league. But the second. But the second, because yeah. Andrew and Terry had not but, officially announced his retirement. Now it's old man Brady, uh, so, yeah. his turn. Um, so. Adam Vinatieri has submitted his papers for retirement. Mm-hmm. I think it becomes official on Friday, but made the announcement today. So more or less, he's he's done. Yeah. But good for him. Retire on the football money and just relax that leg. Don't you have to? Don't have to move that leg around anymore. Uh, he's got a son that is also a kicker. So we could see another Vinatieri in about 10 years. (laughs) Maybe so. All right. Anything else in sports that we need to talk about before we close out this segment? Yes. uh, The NBA and NHL playoffs are happening. Yes. Um, In terms of the NBA play-in, the Golden State Warriors failed to make it to the playoffs with that play-in. Sucks. Well, Sucks for them, but woohoo for yeah. everyone else. <laughs> and especially woohoo for everyone who doesn't like the Warriors and right. Steph Curry. Um, also, the uh, NHL playoffs are underway, and we already have three teams moving on to the next round because they swept their opponents. Nice. That would be the number one seed Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm oh, sorry, no. No, not the Maple Leafs yet. Uh, the number one seed, um, Avalanche, Colorado Avalanche, mm-hmm. taking on the number one seeded, or sorry, number three seeded Jets, and the number three seeded Boston Bruins, moving on as well. Okay. All three, uh, the Jets, the Avalanche, and the Bruins, have are moving on to the next round already. And it's like. The, I think they swept all of them swept because um, playoffs just started like on Saturday and we're already on Wednesday so, so they must have <laughs> yeah they must have all right well if you're a fan of any of those teams get ready for some continued playoff action yeah uh, and then baseball continues to baseball during yeah. the long summer baseball season yep 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 so um, we'll report more when more happens and in the meantime, real briefly, in NFL news, yes, um, OTAs, training, and conditionings are currently happening for teams, and two significant players have yet to report to their okay. teams. One is Julio Jones of the Atlanta Falcons, wide receiver, and one is Aaron Rodgers, quarterback mm. for the Packers. Makes you think. Yeah, both are currently in the middle of possibly demanding trades even though i think rogers has a no trade clause oh okay but he's yet to report and literally all eyes in the nfl are on that right now (laughs) well uh well wherever you are aaron i guess getting ready for golf um (laughs) good luck or post jeopardy who knows (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, that'll do it for sports. So that means we talk about some television news. And our first story is a bit of a throwback. Hey, 90s kids, you might be a 90s kid if you were around 10 when you started watching the Powerpuff Girls on Cartoon Network. And if you remember about nine episodes ago, we announced <laughs> that the CW would be creating a Powerpuff Girls 
show. Yes, a CW-style teen uh, live-action show uh, based on the characters in the Powerpuff Girls. So we've had casting news, we've had all sorts of rumors, we've had all sorts of hype leading up to this moment. And guess what? Get ready to have the rug pulled from under your feet because the CW's pilot of Powerpuff, the live-action series based on the popular Cartoon Network show, The Powerpuff Girls, is being overhauled and reshot because the initial pilot was, quote, too campy and not as rooted in reality as network execs would have liked. Quote, the reason you do pilots is because sometimes things miss, and this was a miss, said the CW chairman and CEO, Mark Pedowitz. We believe in the cast completely. We believe in Diablo Cody and Heather Renier, the writers. We believe in the auspices of Greg Berlanti and Warner Brothers TV Studios. End quote. As previously reported, Powerpuff stars Chloe Bennett, Dove Cameron, Yana Perot, and Donald Faison, in addition to the rest of the cast, the writers and producers, will continue to all be involved in the product as the network films a new pilot off cycle. So the important notes here, one, will not make it to the 2021-2022 CW season. So you won't see hide nor hair of this thing until the next cycle, whenever that may be. You might see it in a shortened spring cycle. Yeah, or some sort of like, or some sort of winter replacement. Mm -hmm. It's possible, depending on how quick the turnaround is. And two, if you're curious at all about this pilot, the script is out there. And I'm not kidding. The real script apparently got leaked. It is out there. You can read excerpts from it. Uh, I did with friend of the show, Christy, last night. Some of it is like, yeah, this is fine. Like, this is okay. Um, This hits the Riverdale-esque tone that you would expect from a CW adaptation. And then some of it is just like tiptoeing that line so much, it falls a little bit onto the other side where you're like, oh boy, that's a little much there. So I can imagine why an exec would be reading it and being like, at least Riverdale takes itself semi-seriously. This thing doesn't take itself seriously at all. It is literally from the go to the end, just off the wall bonkers. So it could have been great, but they're not making it that way. So we'll get a new script, we'll get a new pilot, and we'll see what happens next. But man, what could have been... (laughs) Yeah, as I saw someone on Twitter put it, um, they put a bunch of Zoomer language into a blender <laughs> yes. and then got what spat out. It's very much that. It's also an extremely horny pilot. Like, yes. It's so it's very, very horny. Um, nudes? Yeah, a lot of them, apparently. Yes, no, no not like physical them. nudes, but like talking about sending nudes or yeah, blackmail in nudes. Like I said, some of it was like, yeah, this is about right for like a CW show. Mm-hmm. And then you just got to know when to pull those punches. And the script did not really know when. Um, Does Diablo Cody know how to pull punches though? So Chrissy brought that up too. And I don't necessarily think from what I read, I don't necessarily think this is, we're getting the full Cody here. Diablo Cody does have the ability to rein it in. Yes, she does have an like a, a legacy now of wild scripts with inventive dialogue. But I feel like she's always remaining in that world of realism, even within those confines. 
this seems like if not necessarily her just her obviously there's another writer on this project probably a lot of things pushing and pulling and to an extent this is also the first thing she's written for network tv um and sold so maybe she was not anticipating both writers maybe we're not anticipating the expectations for a network executive compared to what they were used to who right. knows there's what, different expectations yeah. between film and tv especially, especially between and then network between tv network. and cable television yes uh, where she's worked well. before and yeah so for whatever the reason um like the articles that like this news thing said is pilots are meant to be seen and either passed or greenlit so it's not super surprising that every once in a while a big pilot like this fails to get that green light this is just one of those examples we just don't see it a lot with big properties like this um so yeah they'll give it another try we'll see it in 2022 or earlier potentially and uh yeah we'll see what they ended up doing with it yep uh but good to see that no one's jumping ship either they're just going yeah to no. work it it's good that they just they, they trust everybody enough to try it again mm-hmm all right, moving on to our second story here. This is a little bit of a version of the bits for you, but if you care, in case you care about reality television... Which some of winner's, us do. Yeah, it's a winner's circle of recent reality winners. First up, Chase Beckham, age 24, is your newest American Idol. He took season 19, and you know what that means if you're a long-time viewer of this show... White guy with guitar, one American Idol again. No uh, one's this, really surprised. And no one should be surprised as his song was released last week and debuted at number one on the Apple <laughs> Country iTunes. That'll do it. Meanwhile, Corey Sutton, age 37, was your winner on Hell's Kitchen and thus gets the residency at Hell's Kitchen, Lake Tahoe. Uh, yeah, so good yeah. for them. Good, good for her. Uh, former executive chef uh, at 37 beat out the upcoming and rising chef. Right. But so experience ended up winning out. But now she gets to go live in Lake Tahoe. Oh, the pain that must be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, too bad. All right. Next up, I'm going to skip this one because you have a giant goose egg here. You just have a uh, blank. Yeah, because that is tonight. Uh, so. We're recording before the actual yes. winner is revealed. So watch um, this space if you care about the masked singer. I the winner is coming. Yes, but apparently um, some of the contestants on this year's were Hanson, the Hanson brothers, and uh, Wahlberg. Donnie Wahlberg was one of them as well. So that's the level of celebrity you get yeah. with yeah. Um, masked singer. That sounds about right. <laughs> yep. And then uh, lastly, The Voice had its win. Cam Anthony, age 19, took that one. Um, notable, though, he's not, this is not his first rodeo, as he competed in the Fox show Showtime at the Apollo back in 2018. And Which he won. Even has a record deal already, or at least had one potentially, with Aftermath back when he was age 14. Yes. Um, also, when he was 14, he sang the national anthem for then-President Obama during the uh, Easter for 20, for that time. 
So for being 19 years old, this guy has already had quite a career for him. So, But as Blake Shelton has recently said in an interview uh, regarding the winner and it being his 10th year in it, no one from The Voice really has taken off and become that superstar yet. Like they get these record deals and between coming mm-hmm. off of The Voice and signing the deal, like the ball gets fumbled and they're not yeah. properly promoted. The songs don't quite hit and they just kind of fall off the map. Well, the business is different than it used to be. I mean, case in point, American Idol, right? I feel like if you, there's no comparison to those early years of Idol because the record industry was so different back then. It worked for Kelly Clarkson and your Carrie Underwoods because the mechanisms of how people got famous from being an artist were different. Now, everything is so much about streaming numbers and going viral on TikTok and what have you that a traditional winner on a reality show is already at a disadvantage because of the way that they came up. It's just not as easy as it used to be not as many eyeballs are on the television, more eyeballs are on the phones. And it's not the same as it used mm-hmm. to be. So no, the voice is almost too late, is I think the case here. The voice even premiered beyond that expiration date of Idol. So that's probably why we're looking at just diminishing returns every year as we go on. And it's only going to continue that like that until they make some sort of big, massive change to what it means to win a reality competition. It's funny you mentioned that um, because Cam Anthony, in order to get that, as previously mentioned, signed deal with Aftermath, he was a tween YouTuber who was a singer and got right. that deal. This would have been the Justin Bieber era, kind of after the Justin Bieber era of YouTube being the discovery mechanism. Right. So he has that exposure, but as you can see from it, from 14 to 19, those five years, nothing really substantial happened. He's still the unknown. It's hard. It's hard. And especially now when you don't necessarily know what's going to hit and what's like where that's going to come from because it's constantly changing. Question though, if Billie Eilish had won one of these competitions... Would she be as famous as she is now? It's hard to know, right? Like, Because she's in that age range of going on a competition and winning. So it, yeah. it's, it's hard to say, but maybe it's just time to retire these singing competitions. Or, like I said, completely rework them somehow because mm-hmm. there's got to be something in this age of social media that is a hook that they could use. I'm not an an executive at a network though, so don't ask me. That's beyond my pay grade. (laughs) All right, Um, let's move on then. Into some television thoughts. We both watched something something new, something, uh, and then one end of a season. Which one do you want to knock out first? Uh, let's knock out the new one first because I'm feeling you want to talk about the other one first. Or the other yeah, one I mean, more. that's okay. Yeah, I probably don't have as much as you think I do. So we'll start out with the new one, which over on Hulu, if you're a Marvel fan, you might know that they're doing a little bit of an experiment over there. 
with the television show Modoc. This is a stop motion animated uh, show, sitcom esque show about the villain Modoc, who I'm going to let you say what the acronym means because it's, it's very good. Um, mechanical organism death. Uh, no, no, you're wrong. Killing. Designed only for killing. <laughs> only. Is it only for killing? Only for killing. Okay. <laughs> just makes me laugh every time I hear it. Um, I just like the idea of something yeah. designed only for killing. Yeah, mechanized organism designed <laughs> only for killing. Yeah, nothing else. the F. Leave out the four. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the M is always interchangeable. <laughs> uh, whether it's like mental or mobile yeah. or mechanical, but anyway, yeah. So, uh, does the experiment work? I guess is the question. Do you think that they're successful at making an adult-oriented comedy show about a Marvel character? So this is produced by Marvel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Marvel of yes. MCU Marvel. <laughs> yes, yes. It's the very same. Yes, the very same. So <laughs> to have a show like that be adult themed, hard R, oh, yeah. blood and cursing everywhere. It's a strange kind of whiplash. It's because you're not expecting it. Yeah, it's they're taking a page from the uh Warner book with the DC properties, just like the Harley Quinn show uh on HBO Max that I talked about earlier mm-hmm. uh this year. Yeah. Um, it's weird that they're going with a villain central mm-hmm. show. I'll put it that way. But then even weirder when you have a not so surprised Pat Oswalt show up as the voice. <laughs> a planned Pat Oswalt. Yes, planned Pat Oswalt uh, <laughs> with quite a pretty good ensemble cast, I would say. Yeah. Uh, Melissa Fumero from Brooklyn Nine Nine is on there. Uh, what's his face? Um, is on there as well. What's his face? Yeah. Good job. Well, what's his voice? Because I've been watching <laughs> DuckTales and it's like, oh, yeah. He's... <laughs> um, yeah, what's his face? Anyway. Anyways, uh, it's... I don't know if I can recommend it. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. Um, I only got through about like two, three episodes. So... I haven't completed the whole series. The whole series is available on Hulu, all 10 episodes. I okay. just haven't gotten through it yet. Yeah. But it's definitely its own brand. It's got its own stench on it. Um, <laughs> that first episode could easily knock people off of it. it um, and it did. Um, I watched did. the pilot. The vibes I got from it were mixed. Um, I think that on paper, I feel like the script is pretty funny. There's some really good jokes on there. It's very Patton Oswalt. Um, yes. You can tell that he, well, one, he is credited as a as a um, writer on the on the script, and it shows because it's very much his delivery. It's very much a lot of the jokes are in his voice. Um, so, on paper, it seems like this would be like work, but for whatever reason, I just the vibe of the thing just I never clicked with it, and so I was struggling with it the whole time, being like, do I actually care about this? Do I want to watch this? They try for the emotional gut punch toward the end. They try to make you care about the characters, but 
the way they do that is to do one of the big plot no-nos, which we talked about in um, when we talked about Wonder Woman 1984. Um that you try to avoid doing um, and they did it anyways and I think they're better they ended up better on it than 1984 did but still it's like from a story, story perspective it's like that's come on you don't need to do it the way that you did it but anyway it just yeah the vibes of this thing were all over the place so yeah you're right I can imagine a lot of people watching the first episode of this and be like this is like robot chicken or something and not getting it mm-hmm. um but it's, you know, it's a, it's a unique thing. It's a unique take on the Marvel Universe, especially right now when one of the biggest complaints about the Marvel movies and television stuff is that they're so formulaic and saccharine at this point. It is a way for them to kind of stretch beyond that with some of their characters. And from what I can pick up is that if you're a diehard fan, there's a lot of Easter eggs, a lot of background jokes that are made for you. There's a lot of stuff that that's there for Marvel fans to eat up. So this is probably a mileage may vary situation is what it seems like, is like, if you're invested enough in all these characters in this world already, then this is probably right up your alley because it plays with them in new unique ways. But if you're not in this world and you just like the popcorn movies, you thought Black Panther was good, going into this is going to be whiplash and you might not know what you're getting into. So... First, Ben Schwartz, who I'm thinking of. Yes. The, the yes. comedic silence of Ben Schwartz. Yes. <laughs> um, two, I think this is pointed at a very specific kind of people. Uh-huh. People who grew up with the X-Men animated series in the 90s, the as well as the uh, Spider-Man animated series. Grew up with the rise of Marvel films in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. And as, as most people came through age, found that robot chicken style of humor. It's very specifically targeted at those kind of people. Because even if you are a Marvel fan of the MCU, some of this may not be to your liking as a casual fan, casual observer. There's a reason the MCU is so popular, because it plays to the lowest common denominator. It I would say lowest... Huh? I wouldn't say lowest, but yes, I get what you're saying, is that they go for a mainstream audience with those movies. Yeah. I mean, they go for the mainstream because it is for general audiences. Hmm. Um, they take a lot of their high-concept storylines and make it palatable for audiences. Like, even, like, the Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity War story, is such a thick piece of material that in the fact that they were able to get that down to two and a half hours and then Endgame to wrap it up isn't its own an accomplishment. <laughs> this is not for that. This is for everyone else yeah. who wanted them to do more, who wanted them to go darker and edgier, who wanted that twisted humor that Marvel can be known for. I like that they're willing to play around with this stuff because I think a lot of fans imagine that that would never happen. And so this does open the door for some more um, playfulness in the, in the, like in the universe. I mean, now that they own the Deadpool franchise as well, you'll probably see more of this as they go ahead with that series as well. 
uh, it'll probably give a lot of fans the um, confidence that a next Deadpool movie will not be watered down Disney. It will be probably treated with the same kind of respect that this is. So, yeah. So you win some, you lose some. It may not be the best comedy of the year, but it at least shows some promise and some possibility going forward with the franchise, which is good. All right, and they put it on Hulu because it's a mature <laughs> platform for the U.S. audiences. It makes sense for it. It's sense. a good spot for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see what they do going forward with it. But as for this specific series, I probably won't be continuing with it. I'll see when I eventually finish it because it <laughs> is on Hulu. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Then the right. other thing... Yes, so you have a show that you watched. Yeah. finished. So, season two of Disney Channel's Amphibia has just wrapped up after a little bit of a delay uh, where they did not air the finale when originally planned. Disney finally put it up last weekend. And man, what a finale. So, I'm not going to spoil anything, but what I will say is that if you only watched... A little bit of first the first season of amphibia it's a completely different show now um similar to back if you rewind the tape back a few years ago when we talked about star versus the forces of evil on this podcast it had a similar trajectory season one was very much a gag driven episodic kind of cartoon and then they decided at one point actually there's a lot of cool stories we could tell if we wanted to make this a serialized lore heavy world building show well same thing happened with amphibia but with a little bit of faster pace by the end of the season one you really got the feeling that they wanted to really discover the world that these characters are in and really tell stories about like like that have more of a momentum and a lot of more like intrigue and like that they definitely did again here and this is kind of the culmination of what they've gotten so far and it's just some of the most incredible uh, animation uh, I've seen in a while on Disney. Um, they've really outdone themselves with the way that this goes. And the one thing, again, trying to not to be very spoiler here, that is the coolest thing that this does is by the end of this finale, it resets the status quo completely. Which is always fun when a show is willing to do that. So going into the confirmed upcoming season three, It'll be really interesting to see where this show goes and what kind of stories that they're able to tell now. Um, so yeah, uh, very, very cool uh, the way that they did the finale. Very like great animation, great storytelling, some interesting character moments, some shocking things happened. And yeah, the most shocking thing, of course, being, like I said, complete status quo over, right? We're going to be at a completely different place that we were starting with season three, and I'm excited to see what happens. So this... Um, oh, and yeah, if you're waiting for the Disney Plus drop, don't worry. You don't have to wait very long. Season 2 gets dropped on June 4th. That is literally almost a week away. So if you've been waiting for all of it to be just binged at once, just wait another week. It'll be there for you. Yep. Um, it's the uh, Lion King yes. platform. <laughs> it's like, it's a, like week a, away, a week away, a week <laughs> away, a week away, a week away, a week away. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I'm excited for more of this as well as the return of Owl House in a month or two so that's going to be exciting too so yeah just uh disney stuff still still great so 
congrats to everybody involved on the both of those teams for just cranking out amazing animation just just completely showing cartoon network the door right now <laughs> anyway all right um on that note because this is the end of may all of your not necessarily yours but all of your <laughs> um serialized tv shows will be wrapping up this week uh we had the finale of 911 of 911 lone star of resident of the good doctor of this is us of the equalizer of ncis of uh law and order everything on uh network or cable tv <laughs> is wrapping up this week because next week starts the summer game series yes all summer competitions return including lego masters um the new one new cooking competition of what is it mystery kitchen or whatever it's called oh crime scene kitchen crime scene kitchen yeah. uh premieres tonight after the mass singer right um summer of games and fun and cheap productions yes <laughs> summer of saving money yes of course that's not to mention that of course the summer will also get the currently not canceled tokyo olympics Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just the currently yet to be canceled Tokyo Olympics. Yes, right. So, television will continue just a little bit more, you know, game oriented <laughs> the next yep. couple months. Uh, that does mean you have a whole summer to binge watch past yes. seasons. Exactly. And catch up on new stuff before uh, the next season. Yep. Speaking of which, that's a perfect segue into our next section, which is, of course, is cancellations and renewals. All right. What am I no longer watching? Just a handful of renewals this week, no cancellations. First up, Prime Video is bringing back The Wheel of Time for a second season. That is ahead of its premiere. Yes. HBO has renewed a Black Lady sketch show for a third season. Its second one has just or will soon premiere on HBO Max, I believe. Yes. That's That's a question. I don't know. Um, I'm seeing ads for it, so I don't think it's premiered yet. Soon. Then uh, Firefly Lane on Netflix is getting a second season. Don't get excited. That's not related to the Joss Whedon Firefly. Just making sure you know. Also, don't get excited because Netflix is known for canceling things after two seasons. That is also (laughs) true. Never get excited is what we're telling you here. Just never, never do it. All right. Then we have a few deaths that we need to talk about here. Just briefly, unfortunately. First up, Phil Lombardi, baseball player, played for the Yankees and the Mets. He was age 58. So kind of young. young. Yeah. We also have... I believe he was the son of Joe Lombardi. Oh, so one of those Lombardis. Yes. Not not Lombardi of football. But... But baseball Lombardi. Baseball Lombardi. Yes. (laughs) Different. Then um, next up, we have Samuel E. Wright, age 74, was an actor in Little Mermaid and Dinosaur, uh, sung under the sea in Little Mermaid. The voice of Sebastian. The, yes, um, most famously. Yes. Yeah. And then uh, I believe he got that role because Howard Ashman knew him through stage stuff. So he probably had a theater career as well before that. Yeah. Then Kevin Clark, age 32, real young, actor, uh, was in School of Rock as the drummer, Freddie Jones. 
yeah that one is super young i mean yeah i literally feel that age (laughs) you're almost there almost there yeah um so yeah uh, definitely a sad one right there yep all right let's move on turn this frown upside down by talking about some music and we always start music with the billboard and we start the billboard with the hot 100 and the hottest song in the land is once again by olivia rodrigo it's not driver's license no it is good for you and in this humble podcaster's opinion this is probably the best number one song we've had on this chart in a long long time (laughs) this song rules Are you saying it's a a good song for you? (laughs) It's good for me. I don't know about you. (laughs) Anyway. Anyways, congratulations, Olivia Rodrigo, for becoming up top the number one song. We'll talk about her a little bit more later. Talk about her album later. Uh, Number two, My Life, or is this My Dot Life? My Dot Life. My Dot Life (laughs) by J. Cole and 21 Savage. And... More. <laughs> oh, that's more. It's a more. When the flower super moon hits your eye, that's a more. <laughs> uh, at three, <laughs> Levitating by Dua Lipa featuring the baby. At four, Leave the Door Open by Silk Sonic dropping from that number one slot. And grounding out your top five, Amari by J. Cole. Yes. J. Cole has two, two songs, songs in the top five. And probably rightfully so, because for the Billboard 200, your albums chart, he is the number one album currently with The Off Season by basketball star J. Cole. <laughs> or, or not, if you've been seeing some of those headlines. <laughs> uh, uh, at two, we have Beam Me Up, Scotty, by Nicki Minaj. Note about this one. This is technically a re-release of a 2009 um, mixtape that Nicki put out. Put out. It's recharting again because she put on the back of it three new songs uh, for a re-release. And so that's why you're seeing it here. Hmm. This sounds similar to what Kenny Chesney just did, where he added... <laughs> two new songs to an album he released last year. A little bit, but this is an album we released over a decade ago, so it's a little, yeah. little different there. It's a little different there. Uh, at three, we have A Gangsta's Pain by Moneybag. Yo. At four, Danger Rest calling the double album by Morgan Wallen because he <laughs> just will not go away. Oh, we're sick of seeing it. <laughs> but rounding out the top five because it's summertime and you need to listen to your summer jams. <laughs> Future Nostalgia by Dua Lipa. Still around. Yeah. Well, Summer Jams. Yeah, Summer Jams. And that album is nothing but Summer Jams. (laughs) But if you didn't like any of those albums, we have new releases. Do. Yeah. We have Doomin' Son by Bachelor. Mm -hmm. I Lie Here. Buried with my rings and my dresses by Backwash. Back X Wash? I don't know if you pronounce the X. Backswash. <laughs> because the X would be a shh 
sound. Yeah. So it'd be backschwash. <laughs> uh, or it's just like a big X in the middle. So it's like back, big X, wash. I just always assume that when there's an X in the middle of stuff like that, it's an AIM username. <laughs> X, X, Backwash, X, Back, X. Charlie, X, C, X. Yeah, exactly. Uh, DMX, X. <laughs> yeah. Um, we also have Moon Drenched by Bent Arcana. Cavalcade by Black Nitty. Exodus in all caps by DMX. Uh, posthumous release, of course. Uh, Makeover by K.D. Lang. And Reprise by Moby. Yeah. Yes, that Moby. Yes, that Moby. I'm surprised you didn't do a yes, that K.D. Lang as well. Uh, but yes, K.D. Lang and Moby. It's the it's apparently the late 90s again. Who knew? Yeah. I mean, I guess they still need to put out albums to fill their obligatory contracts to these record companies. Perhaps. I mean, someone must be listening to them. Speaking of, someone must be listening to them. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great segue to yes. Eurovision. We're getting international with y'all this week. Uh, so, not to be confused, but yes, definitely referenced the Eurovision film from Netflix last year. Right. Um, well, if you watched that and didn't know what the hell they were talking about. Yeah. That's an actual <laughs> competition. Yeah. It's real. Happens it's real. every year. Yep. And this year is no exception mm-hmm. with the Italian heavy metal band Mainskin has won the Eurovision crown with their song Zidi e Buoni. Uh, Italy, the bookie's favorite going into the show, by the way, won yeah. with 524 points, while French Chateau's Barbara Pravi, or Barbara Pravi, <laughs> Came in second with just under with 499 points. Switzerland's Jean's, Jean's Tears, Jean's Tears, 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 Jean's Tears, Tears, Jean's Tears <laughs> was in third place with 432 points. I feel like this is uh, some sort of revenge for me making you it is. list a lot of in the actual stuff. It was on purpose, but it ended up being that. meanwhile the COVID stricken Iceland a fan favorite thanks to the hyped up um, Eurovision A A Story of Fire saga from Netflix came in fourth place with 378 points quote we just want to say that the whole of Europe to the whole world rock and roll never dies screamed (laughs) Mainskin's frontman Damiano David on stage following the band's win. Hailing from Rome, the glam rock group is comprised of singer David, bassist Victoria De Angelis, guitarist Thomas Raghi, and drummer Eaton Torchio. That sounds like a Pokemon. <laughs> uh, the band who wore matching laminated red leather outfits to the <laughs> final, won Italy's prestigious San Remo Music Festival back in March. Their win, which marks the third historical victory for the country, which last won in 1990, means the 2020 Eurovision Song Contest 
will be heading to Italy next year. So, uh, yeah, congratulations to these guys, except one small asterisk. Uh, Following the win, there's been a little minor controversy about whether or not that the band that won um, had been doing drugs in their green room. (laughs) I saw this. They apparently had to have drug tests that I don't know if there was a conclusion uh, that uh, they got. uh, I don't know if they were able to figure it out or if they had or not. But yet, but uh, yeah, there was a little bit of controversy there, though they denied the allegations. Right. It was a quick pan to them, and they saw some guy possibly doing a line, <laughs> unsure, because yeah. he couldn't see the table. Might have been a <laughs> gag. Might have been nothing. Who knows? Might have actually been coke, but who knows? Um, I'm not sure if anything will happen if the R... I don't think that their title goes away. I think yeah. it's more just like a, hey, you guys really shouldn't have been doing that in our green room kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, possibly keep you updated, but <laughs> congratulations to Italy and the band Mainskin yes. for winning Eurovision. And congratulations to all future contestants for getting to travel to Italy for yes. Eurovision. Hey, eat a lot of pasta for us. There could be worse places. Yeah. All right. Speaking of there being worse places, <laughs> the Recording Academy. Hey! <laughs> okay. uh, the Recording Academy, or from the Grammys, has announced the latest round of updates for the Grammy Awards rules and guidelines. As always. Yes, but this is the second such amendment this year. Mm-hmm. It's complicated, so... <laughs> Try and focus here. All right. I'm focused. Significant among the latest round uh, are an expansion of the eligibility. Eligibility. That's what I said. Eligibility Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for accredited producers, songwriters, and engineers in the album of the year category. All are now eligible, whereas recognition was previously limited to those credited on 33% or more of an album's Mm playtime. Also, the percentage of newly recorded material required for an album to be eligible for award consideration has been raised from 50% Hmm. to 75% recorded within five years of release date. Hmm. Hmm. Who could they be targeting with that? So before you start thinking about, is that the Taylor Swift, can we just call that the Taylor Swift rule? So no, because note that Taylor very specifically re-recorded everything on the Fearless Taylor version record. Mm -hmm. So it actually is not affected by this rule change. However, it's probably a savvy move considering a lot of artists that are not Taylor are re-releasing things. We just talked about this with Nicki Minaj by adding just a few more songs on the end. This is probably to prevent those from being in Grammy consideration, to make sure that it's actually new records that are being considered, not old ones with new material on them. Um, See, I was was looking at that as targeting uh, hip-hop and R&B. Possibly. Where songs will be a part of mixtape or unreleased albums, and then officially put on future albums. Not necessarily Future's album. (laughs) but future right. albums in general. It's possible, but that doesn't happen a lot when we're talking about Grammy 
the Grammy race anyways. So I don't know if this is necessarily something that they're specifically targeting at any artists or genre. I think it's just more of them noticing there's a trend and trying to quell that before it starts being a conversation about when it comes to Grammy nominations. Um, the other thing to note here about the um, credit, the, the credits for Album of the Year, that's interesting considering this is going to open a lot of um, doors for a lot of people to get a Grammy for Record of the Year now, like, like or uh, for Album of the Year, sorry. And so, like, that's going to like change it from just being a a writing category or like a producing category to be like, oh no, this is actually everybody who try like put their hand in the producing pot at any point during this during the album production. Now, I believe this will also mean any samples because they get credited hmm. on the songs as well. I guess you could be right. So this could mean that if somebody, yeah, samples an existing, that producer may, if they're credited, will also get the Grammy for it, which is pretty wild. Um, yeah, I didn't think about that angle. Yeah, well, I only thought about that because of all the lawsuits we keep talking yes. about, about it. Yes, and that may have been, this may have been a response to some of that as well. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, they're making little tweaks here and there. Uh, they're never going to get the weekend back, uh, but hey, at least they're moving the ball forward a little bit every here and there. So, no, we'll but we can at least enjoy our three-day weekend coming up. Yes, yes. Uh, sorry, yeah. coming up. Yes. That way. Ladies and gentlemen, Memorial Weekend. <laughs> anyway, we have Memorial Weekend thoughts. is the band name featuring the weekend. Yeah. It's no, it's a tribute. It's a cover band. It's a cover tribute. band that only does the weekend songs. It's called Memorial Weekend. <laughs> we need to do this. But we already have a rock band of Blood Moon. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways. All right, let's move on into some music thoughts. We listened to a couple of things this week. We both listened to these albums. Well, I oh. forced you to listen to part <laughs> of an album. Yeah, I can't wait to see how the rest of that goes. Well, um, let's talk about that then. You want to get we? that one over with? Okay. Yes. Tell um, me about Corn. Corn. Not the band. Not the band, though. Tell me about Corn, the produce. Uh, rain makes corn. Corn no. makes whiskey. No, 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 if that no. song sounds familiar. Yeah, that's because that already exists. I but, want that, but different. Can you give me that, but different? Yes. What you want is Blake Shelton's corn. <laughs> yes, I always want Blake Shelton's corn. <laughs> um, when Stefani <laughs> wants Blake Shelton's corn, I just don't want to think about that. Anyway, <laughs> anyways, with the end Boy. of the voice comes Blake Shelton. Feeling the need to promote his new album, I guess. He's been unleashed. He's been unleashed. Um, so Blake Shelton party album, <laughs> aka Body Language, is latest sure. release. This is the party album. This is I'm a cowboy, I'm drinking, I'm having fun, I'm talking about <laughs> corn. I want corn <laughs> in the back of my truck and you and corn and something. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, this is the fun album that Blake Shelton wants to put out <laughs> compared to God's Country, which you put out last which is year. Serious gospel is the serious album. Yes, this is the fun album. This is the party album. This is the summer album. If you're so inclined to listen to more of it, <laughs> but but 
it does have the caveat of it being a Blake Shelton album. So, <laughs> well, not just a Blake Shelton album, but a Blake yeah. Shelton country album. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's not necessarily everyone's cup of tea, but hey, when it's summertime and you just want songs about drinking and hanging with your buds, it's got and you covered. Well, okay, here's a question then. In order to put this in more of like specific terms, you just talked about the Kenny Chesney record. Compare the two. Uh, does it do anything better or worse? I'll give you one better. I listened to this album twice. Mm-hmm. At the end of it, I needed a good album to listen to. <laughs> so I put on um, Eric Church's Heart record. Mm-hmm. And that was a better album. Right. And that came out three weeks ago. So, but why I said compared to the Kitty Chesney record because they're because both that's probably more of a vibe comparison. So, what yeah. about just those two in isolation? Um, very similar. I prefer the Kitty Chesney album to this album. Okay. But if I was younger, I might prefer the Blake Shelton album to the Kitty Chesney album. <laughs> but mileage may vary. It also yes. that depends on how much Blake Shelton you can handle. <laughs> so yeah. But, so. He does have the song of listing things. Yes. So it hits that uh, record. So yeah, if you've been missing a Luke Bryan fix, well, this guy can list things too. Yes. Uh, I don't think Luke Bryan has an album out, so this is a good substitute. It's <laughs> Luke Bryan Light. All right. AKA so looking... Blake Shelton. Yeah. So yeah. Does he pass yeah. Him then? Yeah, I think we're at that point. I now. think we're at I that think, point where I think we got him. there. Well, Luke Bryan lapped him. That's the thing. Is like Blake was first, but no, Luke did it better. It did the same shtick. And so he was like, oh, well, I guess that's the one now. Yep. 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 So congratulations. I guess uh, Blake Shelton also kind of aged out of it. And especially when he put out God's Country, that's just kind of like definitely aged out of him. Yeah. It's a different era of his career at this point. Right. Time for him to fade into the Alan Jackson career and just do the (laughs) same thing over and over again. Yes. Speaking of... Starting a career. Let's talk about the other record we listened to. Oh, I'm sour about this one. <laughs> so, she's the talk of the town. And by the town, I mean social media, news, uh, everything. Just Politics? Yeah, politics, <laughs> comedy, because she was on SNL. Like, literally everywhere you look in the last few weeks, you cannot stop seeing Olivia Rodrigo. We've talked about her on the podcast before. She had the hit number one song for several weeks with driver's license. She was a former Disney star, and now she's trying to turn that into a singing career. Uh, um, current Disney star, because yes. High School Musical season two is currently going on. Right, it's true. And then we mentioned um, earlier in the podcast that she has yet another number one single, as she's been putting out a few preview uh, singles before the release of her full debut record. Well, Way no longer because it is here and it is called Sour. And may I just say, it is probably the best record of all year so far. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, you're probably not expecting me to say that, but here we are. Laying down, I'm laying down the explosives right up the top here. So, um, yeah. Um, out of nowhere, uh, she has shown immediately that not only is she a person with very good vocal range and ability, but she also has an ear for all sorts of different kinds of genres of music. 
this album bounces from thing to thing in a smooth, non-jarring way that makes you think like, oh, wow, she's listened to a lot of different kinds of music and knows exactly what kind of thing she likes. And she makes every single variation on the style work in a really surprising way. Compound that on top of the fact that all these songs are written from a very raw emotional space with relatable things. One thing I will say is the critical one I want to throw all the critics under the bus real quick, because one thing I kept seeing in a lot of reviews of Sour was, oh, she talks about teenage issues and she's talking about these things that teenagers go through. While that may be true, I think that's missing the point. There's a lot of universality here. It's not just exclusively teenage situations or teenage emotions being seen here. A lot of these songs are universal themes. And so I just want to kind of say that I don't want this, I don't want Olivia Rodrigo to be pigeonholed as early like a lot of people want her to be. She's not just for teenagers. I think that there's a lot to like here for all sorts of different music fans. And if this is the record that brings back pop punk, then hey, we did it. <laughs> hey, we did it. So what do you think about this thing? Um, so I commented to you, much like I commented to <laughs> a lot of stuff to you when you say, hey, you need to listen to this album. Yeah. Uh, first thing was, man, very Taylor Swift vibes because mm-hmm. it's a breakup record. Right. Um, I don't know if it's all pointed at one person or several people, but... It seems like it is. It seems like it's mostly targeted towards your very publicized uh, breakup with a co-star in said Disney show, who ended up kind of dating very quickly uh, one of her other co-stars. Um, and yeah, it seems like a lot of the emotional uh, heft comes from that life event. Mm-hmm. But you're right, there's a lot of more generalizations here that could... could um, be talking about any sort of emotional breakup right and as i've said on this very podcast before i don't have experience in that (laughs) yes it's true proud about that (laughs) (laughs) but that being said yeah you're right these are not strictly teenager Mm -hmm. um views even though yes the view of her is from a that of a teenager these aren't strictly meant for them therefore breakups in general and the varying ways that one person experiences those feelings of a breakup Mm -hmm. post breakup like you said there's these somber songs there's deja vu driver's license are very different from that of brutal or good for you or even happier they're all very different but it's the different flavors and sour the album (laughs) it's interesting that you so you brought up taylor swift and of course that's the obvious comparison to make not only because olivia has said explicitly that she is very inspired by taylor one of the songs even begins with the piano line from taylor's new year's eve or new year's day Mm -hmm. Um, so it's very clearly uh inspired but also there's a um parallel there both are artists who started at a very young age from a singer-songwriter kind of perspective. And um, you consider this, like, it's funny that Fearless was just re-released. That was Taylor's record that she also released at age 18. So you can actually make a direct comparison. Of course, there are some differences. Olivia 
is a lot more open to cursing on this record. She's a lot more open with about it, about like references to sexuality. She's not as dreamy as Taylor was. Like she's not in, as into the fantasy of like the classic love story as Taylor is. They're different people. Uh-huh. But yes, I know that was a pun. Uh, but yeah, but it's interesting though where they do overlap, which there is the same amount of songs that are, are about these very lived-in experiences. She likes to reference a lot of very specific details, just like Taylor does in her songwriting, um, to kind of put you in the world. Driver's License is a perfect example of that, right? You get to kind of like feel like you're in that car driving with her because of how she describes these suburbs and those feelings that she had, or all the details she lists in Deja Vu about about the about the things that she about did with Billy her Joel. <laughs> yeah, like you know, like listening to Billy Joel, and like these are very Swiftian kind of things, but. Swift is not the only person being referenced here. There's a few songs that are very influenced by Lord, specifically the work on melodrama. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Billie Eilish here uh, with production cues kind of borrowed from that kind of Zoomer aesthetic. And well, she's a Zoomer, so that's to be expected. And even Good For You, the current number one song, very inspired by like pop pop bands like Paramore. Um, in fact, you pointed out a YouTube person had done a matchup, a mashup of Misery Business and Good For You. Or no, you didn't, but I just played it for you. Yeah. A uh, friend of the show, Christy, actually found that one. Yeah. Well, um, I pointed out that it definitely sounds like she's inspired by that kind of song. So that yeah. Part, that pop punk, that beach surfer rock. And so, yeah, that's the interesting kind of new, that's the interesting kind of new take that this takes. So while Taylor had a very country industry kind of version of that 18 year old coming of age story olivia rodrigo seems like she has a lot more freedom and uses that freedom to really experiment in all sorts of different ways and it's of course paying off i mean it's the biggest record right now it's going to be your number one next week obviously for sure don't need to tell you um the one thing that this album does really well is it's a storytelling album Mm -hmm. It's, you can tell the story from the front to back. You can feel the emotions going through it. And it ends on a very powerful note of yes. hope, hope you're okay. Yes, yes. She's able to kind of like take most of the record talking about her own emotional issues, but then kind of pivot at the last song and then actually talk about like, but the people, the other people in her life that she also thinks about. Um I gotta say one thing as as a fellow Pisces, major Pisces energy in this record. <laughs> just it begins with, oh no, I'm having like anxiety about not being the person I want to be, and ends with, oh, I hope everybody that I love is okay. <laughs> Very relatable, if you ask me. Very um, yeah. relatable. <laughs> I think that this is a very promising debut. I think it's a very listenable record too. You mentioned in a text to me that you thought it was a little on the short side, but I actually think that's a benefit. Um, I think that it means that it's more easily listenable over and over again. And I'm sure a lot of people are doing just that. If it was any longer than that, it would get into that kind of gray area where you're just like, I I just finished it. I'm like, let's move on to something else. Well, let's put the whole text that I put into context. Yeah, yeah. I said that it was short, and I wasn't sure if that was a good thing because I right. wanted more, uh-huh. or if it just meant I need to listen to it again. I mean, both can be true. Is the mm-hmm. thing here, uh, because yeah, I think there's a, like a lot of like a lot of potential here. She's just started, which is the fun part about this. 
And so the only way from here is up. I would love to see where she takes all this experimentation, whether she chooses a lane and goes down it, or whether she continues kind of being everything. Because if anything that has been proven over the last few years of streaming dominance is that people have an appetite for everything at once. People like all sorts of things, wide swaths of things. And to have artists like this that are malleable and can ride those waves is going to be a really good way to start your career because it means that the possibilities are endless. So yeah, I'd say this is a definite recommend. Uh, I think it's a great debut. Uh, is so one, yes, this is a recommend, listen to it. You have a podcast mm-hmm. sale or scale, yes. listen to it. Yes, absolutely. Um, two, is this the Lady Gaga, Barbara Streisand film, A Star is Born? <laughs> uh, not as dramatic, but yes. Um, yeah, I, I really do think that she's going to be the next... I mean, the the probably the closest analog right now is Billie Eilish, but you could also say Lord here. I feel like this is definitely somebody that we're going to watch as they try to grow their sound. I was going to say Ariana Grande because she came from that Nickelodeon style. That is true, but the difference there is that Ariana had the typical story of they kind of had to adhere to the, the safe sound before they were able to branch out. Whereas Olivia has broken that paradigm. She's going to the ex- experimental stage right away because she has the freedom to do so. So that's why I'm saying Lord here because like it seems more like, um, or Billie Eilish, because it seems like more like they have so much creative control over their initial sound that they immediately said, this is who I am. And this is the kind of music that I make, which is different than your Taylor's, your Ariana's. Right, because... For them, this is them trying. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so yeah, it's it, it'll be interesting watching her career. I think that it's very exciting to see what happens next. Um, but yeah, for now, uh, the record that is out is a very good one. And I yes. think, yeah. And don't be surprised if more of these songs end up charting. Oh yeah, not surprised at all. Wouldn't be surprised at all. If, like it was the entire record was like the top 10 on Spotify for the last week. So it might happen. Yep. So it's, we're calling it early sour number one album next week it's certainly yes it certainly seems likely uh especially since it's dominant uh everywhere you look right now all right and with that did you listen to anything else no that was pretty much that again dominating (laughs) that dominated my week so uh yeah that was the big release like i said i went back to listen to heart album yeah again still like heart more than soul (laughs) <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, you talked about it. I so. talked about that. Yeah. So let's scooch on over then into some video games. Let's. And hey, we have new releases. Not just some. Oh, no. Yes. It's a, a big block of text for video game releases, including Earth Defense's Force, colon, World Brothers <laughs> for the PS4, Switch, and PC. Get ready for a lot of names of games that mention World this week. Yes, because we also have World's End Club for the Switch. Wonder Boy Dash Asha in Monster World for the PS4, Switch, and PC. Song of Horror for the PS4 and Xbox One. The Elder Scrolls Online, colon, Blackwood, for the PS4, Xbox One, and PC. 
Another expansion to the MMO. Mm -hmm. We also have Ghosts and Goblins for the PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Necromunda, colon, Hired Gun for the PS4, Xbox One, PS5, Xbox Series X, and PC. Next Gen Alert. Operation, colon, Tango mm -hmm. for the PS4, Xbox One, PS5, Xbox Series X, and PC. Wreckfest for the PS5. And your big release, because it's literally coming out on everything, <laughs> Stonefly for the PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, Switch, PC, possibly mobile. If you own it, you could probably play this game. Do I know what it is? No. <laughs> Do you want to know what it is? No. Google. <laughs> yes, Google. Or I'm sure some ad will pop up saying, play this everywhere now. <laughs> All right. Well, those are games that we can play right now. But as is the time for summer and summer games, we also have E3 to look forward to. So, yeah, this is kind of the bits that I've set up just about pre-E3 slash summer game fests um confirmations or announcements so just a quick little rundown of what to look forward to in the next couple weeks oh yes and we can look forward to microsoft still holding on to its e3 2021 game showcase on sunday june 13th at 1 p.m eastern 10 a.m pacific time mm -hmm. the event which microsoft is calling the xbox and bethesda showcase <laughs> Ooh. That thing happened. Co-headliners. Will be streamed live on Xbox's Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook channels. But you might also be able to stream it directly on their website, which is probably where they yeah. want you. Actually, where they want you. <laughs> Ahead of Ubisoft's E3 show, the French publisher is letting a few bullets out of the chamber to what the appetite of expected fans. That's a weird mixed metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> for those looking for Far Cry 6 news, you won't have to wait much longer as Ubisoft plans to stream the first gameplay of the newest game in the long-running series on May 28th at 9.30 a.m. Yeah. Right in front of Memorial Day weekend. Yeah. Not to be late to the party, Sony and Guerrilla Games are holding another state of play presentation tomorrow from this podcast, um, focusing solely on Horizon Forbidden West. The actual gameplay footage will be preceded by a quote, uniquely crafted countdown based on the game. Wow, talk about like ways to get you to actually tune in before the thing starts. You tune into the countdown. The countdown, guys. It's going to be so cool. Yep. Uh, that starts at 9 a.m. Pacific time. The countdown will last for five hours, ending <laughs> at 2 p.m. Pacific time, which is when the actual Horizon Forbidden West content begins. That's too long. So much speculation on those five hours. <laughs> yes, who knows? I mean, I guess it's not as bad as when Nintendo put up the virtual locations. 
<laughs> for like 24 hours where random Pokemon came by. Yeah. You could possibly see a new Pokemon for the yeah. upcoming game. <laughs> uh, so, the actual state of play, however, will be 20 minutes long, bringing roughly 14 minutes of new gameplay and footage for the sequel. Note, that is 20 minutes of actual right. presentation. After a five-hour countdown. After a five-hour countdown. <laughs> So yeah, um, this is just yeah, this is just the beginning of what I'm sure will be a very busy June for big announcements and streams like this. So prepare yourself. Yes, and should those big announcements happen, we will pull an audible and do reverse shows. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll call it by year every week. We'll see. Yes, um, but but now but now as with the summertime, <laughs> you're going to want to be getting into a pool. All right, so this is my favorite story of the week. I, I'm so happy we get to end on this one this week. It is absolutely wonderful, and I'm just I I'm just so happy that we get to talk about it. Let's well, talk about hot tubs. Like hot tub time machines? Uh, no, no, not time machines. Hot tub gaming machines. What? 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 <laughs> well, a few days ago, Twitch suddenly removed the advertising revenue for a streamer. Caitlin Amaranth Sagasa, who quickly went to Siragusa? 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 There's an R in there. Oh, there's an R in there. <laughs> who uh, went to Twitter to report that her analytics went flat all of a sudden, just completely flatlined. Mm-hmm. Siragusa, who had long tested Twitch's off and on wholesome image with her hot tub streams <laughs> wherein she wore a swimsuit and streamed from the hot tub or some equivalent because they have a chatting only section right 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 if you don't know yeah if you don't know how twitch works you don't always have to be twitching or streaming a game you can also turn on only chatting which just yeah you can just be chatting with your with your friends or random strangers yeah or twitch fans or followers yeah, anybody or your Discord. Anybody who wants to see somebody, uh, say, in a hot tub. Yeah. Well, this was not technically against Twitch's rules, but because it's owned by Amazon, uh, they had a long found battle between letting people express their sexuality while also trying to remain family friendly. Twitch released a blog post titled, Let's Talk About Hot Tub Streams, <laughs> explaining some of its stances and making some changes. In the post, Twitch tried to delineate uh, between sexually suggestive content and sexually explicit content. It points out having to having too strong of a stance on sexually suggestive content, which ended up banning a lot of video games too. Yeah, we, so basically what they're saying there is that if they all of a sudden were like, you can't you can't have like you uh, pe- uh, streamers in bikinis because people then are coming in for the bikini, then you have to also consider what about video games that have characters in bikinis in them? And then that's a whole different like conversation at that point because you, as 
the owner of Twitch, you want to make sure that you're not barring people from playing the games that they want to for arbitrary reasons. And so they had to make sure that there was a line here. Right. It was, I mean, YouTube had the same problem with demonetizing anything that had the Nazis in it because it demonetized a lot of history channels that (laughs) talked about it. Right. Yes. I mean, not that they're one and one the same. But, but, but yeah, you're right, though. Is You can't make sweeping changes. You have to make sure you're considering the content. Mm-hmm. Um, so to combat that issue where advertising revenue disappears for streamers like Siragusa, Twitch is allowing advertisers to target or avoid specific content. Moreover, it has added a new category called pools, hot tubs, and beaches <laughs> for people wearing swimwear. Which was clear that this is a not a that this is not a long-term solution, but it is an immediate patchwork to fix the current issue. Yeah. So my favorite part about this story is that in that blog post, Twitch basically when they're trying to explain themselves admitted that like it's not against their terms of service because there's no way for them to police what the viewership thinks is sexy, right? They can't criticize a streamer just because somebody finds that streamer attractive. There's no way to do that. So they were saying like, yeah, so we can't just like blanket that like, oh, we can't turn this person's stream down because they're wearing a bikini because somebody might be on another stream where a woman is fully clothed and or like any like somebody is fully clothed and they get in the same kind of arousal because everybody's different right so it's like it's such a weird line that that they admitted themselves that they can't they can't criticize somebody for being sexy or appearing sexy and so like they ran into a wall here right you can criticize if they cross over into the nudity line right yeah obviously, and that's clearly like against their rules in terms of service but yeah what is sexy (laughs) It's sort of into interpretation, and that's like something like this. You can't necessarily bring the hammer down unless you have re- enough reason to really do so. So, yeah, um, this is interesting. Um, so, like the solution, yeah, as they even admit, it's not the best solution, but at least for now, certain advertisers will now be able to be like, "Do I want to run an ad on the beach one on this beach streamer?" By yes, I do. And so, yeah, they'll be able to if they want to. Also, I just like the idea of somebody playing a video game in the beach. It's very funny to me. Um, do note, it's not listed here, but it will slowly be coming in the news, at least within the past month, with pool season coming out. There is, and quite possibly, going to be a chlorine shortage. So you won't be able to keep your pools pretty clean very Uh-oh. soon. Uh-oh. Um but if you are into stocks, that is something to possibly look into. <laughs> to trade in your game stocks for it. No, no, no. Nope. We do not advocate. Media Boat Podcast does not advocate any sort of uh, not actual financial stock, advice. Yeah, we're not actual financial device. We do, uh, advice. We do not uh, advocate any spying or selling of any stock. Just make that clear. <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> but hey, pools. It's pool season. It's pool it's season. So, and so, with that, as soon as we're done here, I am probably jumping in one. So nice. I believe that'll do it. So thank you. Uh, Did you play anything before we officially wrap up? Uh, 
little bit more of the show. I got the a remote play working on my computer from the PS5. Um, worked really well initially. If you have a decent connection, it's pretty much spotless. But if there are dips, you will sometimes be dealing with like constant stream like uh, blips and blaps. And so if you're playing something, it might really throw you off if you're... Um, if your um, connection gets really severe. That being said, if you don't mind some artifacting every once in a while and the quality being lower than you would directly using your PlayStation, Remote Play is a good option and it works on mobile devices too. So yeah, it's neat. And I'll probably play around more with it. You can also do that with PlayStation 4 as well. Okay. So, so yeah, that's all I did. Yep, sounds good. Um, I've saw me play get back into um horizon zero dawn a little bit figured out where the hell i was when i last played yeah um and then yeah more pokemon stuff yeah cool all righty well and i think we're done i think that will do it for the video game section as well as the podcast thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the media boat podcast if you want to see this podcast in video form, you can go to youtube.com, search Media Boat Podcast, you'll find our channel. Like, subscribe, comment, all those things, click the bell for notifications, and you'll know exactly when we have a new video uploaded. And that's every week after Wednesday night. So, yeah, you can that. see visual gags with yes, this. So many visual gags. Actually, not that many, uh, but every <laughs> once in a while. Uh, if you rather listen to the audio version, hey, I get it. I have a day, day job too. You can by going to any podcast service that you can think of. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google, Amazon, anything you want. We're there. Just search Media Boat Podcast. Download us weekly. You can also find us on social media channels such as uh, Twitter, where we're at Media Boatcast. Facebook, where you can search Media Boat Podcast to find our page and like and comment there as well. And you can email us questions, comments, suggestions at mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com. And stay tuned to twitch.tv slash mediaboat. We might have some new streams coming in for you. We're not quite sure what that will be. Sounds like maybe some of your Horizon plans are still TBA, so we'll see mm -hmm. about Horizon. Uh, but in the meantime, That'll do it. And you can catch us next week with a whole new show where we talk about all sorts of wild things that we don't even know because they haven't happened yet. Uh, we will definitely have bots as they appear, probably talking about that new Cruella film. Perhaps. Uh, oh, hey, look at that. Under two hours. We did it. <laughs> we did it. Told you <laughs> right. it was possible. So tune in next week for another episode. We'll be back next week. Thanks for joining us. Goodbye. More news, more thoughts, more of our hilarious antics. Yeah, sure. <laughs> bye. All right, bye.